Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Novetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. Welcome into another edition of the Rising Champions podcast. I'm, of course, Kyle Bogey alongside Dr. Jason Nevetsky of the Champion Mindset Group. And uh, an exciting episode here. Doc, I feel like you keep uh, bringing a, a bunch of your friends on the uh, the podcast here, reaching into the, uh, the old catalog of buddies that you got. But uh, we're very excited to have Michigan State pitching coach Mark Vanamede on with us here on the Rising Champions podcast. Mark, uh, how are you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, fantastic. I, I figured we'd start with, uh, I at least am curious to know what it was like uh, playing with Doc and, and knowing Doc all those years ago uh, as just a, a young lad playing baseball. Right. Well, I don't know that I want to give any too much away. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you, um, playing, with, uh, playing with Jason and our time that we had at, at UAD was uh, – was really special. And of course, after they canceled the program, when I was coaching there, I guess it became even more special, not realizing that, you know, maybe that day might come sometime. But uh, no, I, I don't know that I would have expected Jason to do what he's doing. I would imagine he'd probably say the same about me. <laughs> I didn't think I'd grow up and be coaching somewhere. Um, but uh, we had some good times and um, we had some pretty good teams as well, too. I think sometimes that goes probably a little under the under the wire a little bit because baseball in the north and of course Detroit's not maybe a, a major school but uh, we had some real good teams and coach Miller who passed away recently mm-hmm. uh, did a terrific job there for sure and um, yeah I just feel fortunate to have a chance to have played for him and um, and you know it's kind of a neat deal of course to make some lifelong friendships I mean with Jason we're going on well a number of years <laughs> let's put it that way. <laughs> Our hair is a little different color now than it used to be. Yeah, it sure is. And our waistlines are probably a little bit bigger. At least mine is. I know that. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't quite run those poles like Coach Miller wanted me to back in the day. But <laughs> right. Do my best. Yeah. Well, Mark, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I think this is going to be really informative because we have so many young baseball players that I work with and that tune into the podcast and respond on social media and things like that. And as you know, um, recruiting is so important. Uh, I know you and I have had lengthy discussions about the mental side of the game. Uh, I worked with you when you were the head coach at Eastern Michigan and we worked with your team and things like that. So uh, I want to jump into something that comes up quite a bit with my athletes that I really preach, and I know a lot of coaches preach, is when you're out there on the recruiting trail and observing players in games or in showcases, what, besides looking at obviously their physical skills and how hard they throw and how fast they run, talk to us a little bit about the importance of those intangibles that you can see at least, like body language and you know, the little things that you're looking for. How important is that at MSU? I think that's as important as anything. Um, you know, certainly a player has to have some skill level and a certain level of talent um, to be able to play at Michigan State or to play on the Division One level or, to, you know, to be able to give themselves a chance to have success. But um, that's not all that matters. And I think um, 
the difficult part, say on the coach's end or on our end is trying to evaluate these guys beyond how hard they throw and how fast they run and, um, you know, how hard do they play the game? I mean, a lot of that to me is, is how I try to assess it. So, I mean, it's as simple as, and probably to a lot of these young guys, maybe if they've heard it before, it sounds cliche, but it's true that coaches are often coming to the game early, as early as they can, especially in a high school environment. And they want to see how those guys prepare. I mean, does the guys as simple as, are they the first one there? Are they the last one there? Um, do they run out to the field? Do they walk out to the field? Do they have, look like they have some sort of routine or does it look like they'd rather be somewhere else? Is their jersey untucked while they're warming up and, you know, who knows what they're talking about? Or do they look like they have a plan and that this is important to them? And, you know, the funny thing is, is I don't know if all that is entirely fair in making those assessments, but the reality is that, you know, you may only see a kid play once two times. I mean, I mean, if you're lucky, maybe more, if you're really pursuing a kid, then you might amp up how often you see them. But as they always say, you get one chance to make that first impression. And I don't really know what's in your heart. I don't really know how you feel about the game. So how you put yourself, I don't know if on display is the right word, but you know, how you put yourself out there is, um, is huge. I mean, and it makes a, a, a major impression on a coach it doesn't mean all of a sudden you're going to get a scholarship because you tuck in your jersey and you run to your position. But it does continue to open the door for that possibility. And, um, you know, I think you can – I really feel that you can help a guy throw with more velocity, have better command, get him in the weight room, get him in a better nutrition program. But it's really hard to – make the kid want to do those things. And so um, if you can have that recruit, that young man who has that desire and it's not easy to find, but he has that extra gear, um, he's going to make himself a really good player. You know, whether that's a big leaguer, I don't know, you know, even if he gets drafted, is he going to be, a really good player for us at Michigan state. Is he going to help us win a conference championship? Um, is he going to help bring guys together when he goes to work out in our cages? Is he going to take two or three guys with him? And those are all things you're trying to assess. And you learn a lot by talking to them, of course, but I think what a lot of guys don't understand is that there are, there are tens of thousands of kids and we're all over certainly the eastern part of the country. I mean, I spent most of my summer out of the state of Michigan watching a, a, a lot of kids every single day. And a lot of them throw hard. A lot of them run fast. A lot of them look good in a uniform. A lot of them have good bodies. A lot of them are strong. Um, so what are the separators? And those are the separators. I mean, really, if I could teach young guys something, I try to teach it to my own kids, but they just probably think I'm their dad. So I don't know how much it resonates. But, you know, if you can try to teach them coming up that those are the difference makers. I mean, and obviously, again, we're talking about having a certain level of talent. Um, it's not like just anybody who tries hard, if you will, is going to get that. Um but I guess the way I look at it is there are those, there are thousands of kids with a similar ability level that can play at this level and can play for us. 
So how are you discerning who are going to be the ones that, that, um, that ultimately you decide to have in your program, or at least, you know, have a chance in your program? Yeah, that's fascinating to me. And, you know, maybe there's something individually that you've kind of always leaned on over the years, you know, at various programs and just various, you know, positions that you've held, but is it you individually or you, I guess, within the, the program that you're at right now at Michigan State? Is there a process, you know, or I guess a step-by-step, you know, kind of thing that you go through in determining which ones are different and which ones, you know, there, there's more that you can get out of them, essentially. How do you even go about figuring that out? You know, uh, <laughs> loaded question. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been coaching for 20 years. I feel like it's always kind of changing. Uh, I certainly like to think that I'm better at it now with more experience than maybe I was 10, 15 years ago. Uh, I think I look at players differently now. When I was first starting out as a coach, um, I think I was really excited about finding the most talented kid and trying to make him part of the program. And, um, that's always exciting. I mean, that's great. You know, and baseball doesn't really do five stars and all that kind of stuff that they talk about in football and basketball. But if we could all have the number one guy, I mean, you know, that would be, that would be tremendous. But, um, what I found through my career is that um, the the shiniest object isn't always the best and can oftentimes be the most frustrating. And, you know, I guess really to answer your question, it's more a gut feel probably than anything. Um, coach Boss, the head coach at Michigan State, has been doing it for a long time. We've known each other forever. Graham Sykes is uh, our other assistant coach. So the three of us are on the road all the time. And um, we generally try to get multiple eyes on the same guy. It doesn't always work that way. If it's a pitcher, I'm definitely seeing them. Um, Sometimes maybe the other two coaches won't. But we try to get multiple eyes. And, for example, when I want Coach Boss to go see a guy – I'm trying my best not to – I want him to see him, but I don't want to give him too much information, you know, just trying to let him go in blind, and maybe he doesn't like the guy, and then we can try to figure it out together. Um, to give you maybe some concrete examples, it's – I think it's best when you see the guys against a similar level of competition – more often than not, that happens in summer ball as opposed to high school, at least up here in Michigan. And then it's great when you see them struggle. So if they are not having success or it's not coming easy, you know, or the umpire's not giving them the close call or, um, you know, the guy strikes out with two men in scoring position and two outs and a big spot. And to deal with that, what are the reactions? Um, do they come back? seemingly as determined or do they look deflated do they drop an f-bomb are they you know throwing the bats and while I think some of that stuff can be coached and I've had you know all all different types of personalities through the years um, you know we're making an investment in this kid and so if we're making an investment with him and he's already ahead of the game as far as how he deals with failure um, that is, uh, that's far and away more important to me than, I mean, that's the whole game. The whole game is how, 
anybody can do it when it's going well. Mm. And I mean, not to diminish that, I guess, and maybe not anybody, but, you know, in general, when I'm talking to players, I go, look, we can all have success when we feel good and when the ball's going where it's supposed to go. And, um, you know, as a hitter, I'm finding holes, I'm hitting gaps and, and that's great, but that doesn't happen that often. So what happens when we have our struggles, which is more often kind of the grind of it. And, um, that's probably too where I've changed with experiences, just realizing how important dealing with adversity is where I think maybe as a younger coach, I don't know if I took it for granted or maybe I didn't give it much thought. Um, or maybe I just thought everybody reacted the same way, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and kind of seeing, so I don't know that we necessarily have a, a, a uh, scripted per se, but um, those moments can be, can be great to see. And unfortunately you don't always get to see them in those environments, but that that's what you're trying to do. Right. You know, it's funny you say that Mark, because I often tell guys, you know, that are in that recruiting process that if a coach like you is coming out to see them, they already know you're good. Otherwise they wouldn't waste the trip, right? They've already double checked and triple checked and watched some video or talked to people about you. And so now they're there to see, how you prepare, how you respond to tough situations, um, how are you getting along with your teammates, do you hustle, things that you mentioned earlier. I think those are really critical. And I think that is part of the mental game because kids need to understand that and be mentally prepared for, hey, I just got to go out there and do my thing and, and do it well and be respectful of the game, be respectful of the umpires and be mentally prepared because that's what coach is here to see me do. Yeah, no question. I mean, you and I have talked about it many times, of course, and, you know, you live it every day. And I really try to make it a big part of what I teach our guys. And, you know, at Michigan State, my job's more just with the pitchers, for example. But, you know, at Eastern, when I was the head coach working with everybody, trying to set a a tone that um, I just – I think the game's played above the neck – I mean, that's where the game is, that's where the game's played or in your heart. I don't know, however you want to, you know, describe that, I guess. And that's ultimately, that's the difference. And I think, you know, it's just, it's easily taken for granted. Um, It's probably not as sexy as watching a guy throw 92 off the mound in some video that he puts on social media or how fast he runs, but to win, which ultimately to get there to win or even for the player to, to probably reach, you know, maybe his potential, if you will, that part has to be strong and it's got to be worked on. Um, It is a, it's a daily process that seems to be, it's very easy to get away from. Um, But that ability to slow the game down, that ability to, um, you know, just be disciplined with your approach. And I think to me, that's kind of the, that's as important. It's just as important. Cause if you don't have that, do I think there are guys that are so talented, they can probably, um, the guy I always use in this example is Ken Griffey Jr. Why? Who knows? I don't know why, <laughs> you know, maybe Ken had a great mental game, but <laughs> it, watching Jr. growing up, you know, and seeing him, it just seemed like the game came so naturally to him. And I think there are those, you know, that, that are affectionately called a freak. They just are so good. 
But that's such a small, small, small number. That is not the guy that is routinely, um, frankly, coming to Michigan State probably. or how, If we do, we've got one or two of them. That's not the bulk of the team. Right. And so, um, you know, maybe those guys get away with a little bit more, but that's, that's just not, that's not how the games play. You know, you, you have to, you have to be tough. You got to be strong. You got to be resilient. You got to be focused. And it just doesn't happen because you say you want to be that way. How challenging has this past year been, um, you know, just from a program building, team building, camaraderie building perspective, um, you know, being away from a lot of the kids, being away from the team, um, you know, there's businesses that will say, you know, yeah, pe people have been very productive, you know, via Zoom and, be, you know, working from home remotely and all that. But at the end of the day, there is a camaraderie. There's a bond that gets formed by being around each other every single day, working out every single day, being around. What has that been like in trying to almost going back to the conversation we had before, getting to know these kids, getting to know your team and them being able to kind of lean on each other? What's that been like for you guys? Yeah, it's been really difficult. I mean, primarily with the freshmen or our first-year guys. And, of course, it just so happens that this year about a third of our roster is new. So, um, you know, the with the veteran guys, um, it's certainly a little easier. They maybe understand the culture, the program, the expectations. You've had time maybe to develop a relationship and some trust with those guys. So you can check in. But they do – they the majority of them do a really good job of being disciplined. It, it certainly doesn't um, take the place of what a normal year would be. And so it's been extremely challenging for everybody, but with the first year guys, especially, I think you've got some guys who, you know, they go away from home. Um, they're isolated. I mean, when they were up at, at Michigan state with us, they're essentially told to be isolated in their dorm rooms uh, to stay away from people as much as possible. Um, and uh, very challenging. I, I, I don't know that I have or that we have some great way of doing it other than trying to let those guys know. Really, you know, how valuable they are. I mean, I, I really think when you're coaching a team and coaching players, you need to develop relationships with each individual guy. Um, you develop bonds and trust. And a lot of it, like you mentioned, is more challenging in this period because you're just not physically with them. So you do the Zoom calls. Um, yesterday I talked to probably nine of my pitchers on the phone just to touch base. The text, I mean, there's a lot of ways to stay in touch, and essentially you're doing the best that you can. But, you know, let them – what I found is the players love to hear from the coach <laughs> as much as they – Right. You know, who, that can be a double-edged sword, I guess. But, you know, I think they 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 need to feel that they are important, too, as funny as maybe that may, may sound, that, that they matter, um, especially with these first-year guys that don't know their place. They don't they – don't, are they fighting for time? Am I the 15th guy? I don't really know. And, and there's just so much unsuredness, I guess, about the whole thing. So, you know, we've just tried to – be as proactive as possible with them. Um, I'd like to think we've done a pretty good job when we were together in the fall, we could kind of speed it up um, a little bit, but um, it's been challenging. I mentioned to you earlier that we were shut down and it's been almost two months since I've been able to see the guys. And that's just 
it's it's really unusual like in this kind of day and age i mean back when i played with with jason that might have happened it was just things were so different then but in today's game it's just you don't usually go that long without seeing your guys at least for a little bit and and so um yeah the the pandemic and covid 19s made it very difficult but um you know it's difficult for everybody so we're we're doing the best we can but i i just can't stress enough how important it is for coaches and people in the position kind of in a leadership to um you know to to, to learn about each of their guys. I just really think it's important to learn more about them than they're just, they just pitch for me, uh, right. you know, to know, you just got to get a little bit deeper, I think. So, so Mark, when you do that, is, is, is that a time where you might sit down with an individual athlete and talk about the things they want to accomplish, like their goals or strategy for them and their approach, uh, you know, cause you work with the pitchers as a pitcher, you know, using their strengths, developing their weaknesses a little bit more. What What is the nature of some of those typical conversations? You know, um, maybe it's my personality. Um, I found it's best when it's um, informal, unexpected. Uh, it's kind of more the consistency of it. Uh, when there's, say, a downtime at practice, maybe during BP, maybe while they're going through their, you know, um, their pre-pitch or pre-throw uh, routine, which involves some stretching and mobility work and bands. And while they're doing that, I can touch base with a guy for a couple minutes, just check in. And, you know, I think the challenge as a coach is just kind of cataloging or, you know, you know, remembering conversations you have. Um, I, I, um, probably not as good at this as I would like to be. I always tell myself I'm going to be better. What I try to do after practice is make little notes, not just of how practice went, but of those conversations. So it can be a rehash for me. So I'm not asking Joe for the third time about his, you know, his family when I already know his brother and his sister and one's away at college and those sorts of things. Um, and know that they know I'm really listening and paying attention. I found that's the best. Now I do meet with them individually and we do talk about those things. What do you want to accomplish this fall? Um, this is where I see you now based off of last season and your ability level, where do we need to improve or where do you think? And I think getting the feedback from them is huge. It's yeah. not just a one way, Hey dude, you throw 87, you need to throw 91, do X, Y, and Z. Okay. See you next guy. You know, I think I want to see where do they see it. Um, and, and that gets more of a buy-in and they can own it. They make it more theirs. It's not just coach telling them what to do. It's them being a part of the entire process. I think, I think that's the best way to do it. So I would say it's a mix of both when it comes to the, the uh, you know, learning about them, family, growing up, um, hobbies outside of baseball, you know, what shows are they binge watching, um, <laughs> whatever, what they made for themselves last night because they cook better than I do or whatever, those <laughs> sorts of things, you know, but I think those are important conversations too, even though they're rather light and yeah. they're just in the midst of practice or something. So use both. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to jump in just for a second. Um, Please. One thing I do nowadays, Mark, when I work with teams is we go through a, a, an exercise about character skills. You know, we talk about discipline and patience and positivity and 
trustworthiness and being trust willing and coachability and things like that. And I have this huge list of character skills that I present to a team and I have them select a couple, six, mix six or eight of them of things that they really want to work on or get better at improve on. And I have them write a speech and the speech has to be from the perspective of the coach. So let's pretend this is the end of the season banquet and your coach is going to give the speech about you to everybody there. What do you want them to say? But you got to use those character skills. And so I have them write that speech in the meeting with the team. And then I say, guess what? Now you're going to give that speech to your coach. And then you're going to meet about it throughout the season and see if you're living up to those character skills. And if things go well, they can use that speech at the banquet. I'm curious on your thoughts on how that might work at Michigan State. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me first say, I think that's an excellent idea. Um, you know, having, you know, cause it, they, allows that player or that kid or you know the individual to maybe really look inside themselves and try to assess it because you know they think they're doing all those things but if they can step outside of that right that's what we're always trying to do and I guess self-evaluation is a great tool mm -hmm. and um, just can be really difficult sometimes um, I here's how I think it would go is just like anything to me as a coach when you present something to the players, whether it's, um, you know, when you came to talk to the guys at Eastern or um, I'll go through the fall, for example, and I, I don't do this every fall, but I've had falls where I essentially read them a book and I'll read a chapter every day, almost every day, maybe every other day. Now, mind you, it's short. I'm not <laughs> reading them. Some, we're not spending, I mean, it might be a five minute read, a three minute read, um, but I found a lot of wonderful books that can hammer points home in a kind of entertaining way. And, and we just stay with that theme. Hmm. I think when you're presenting any of this, uh, for example, I've recently started to, um, I haven't done it yet because I want to be so invested in it is to start to introduce some, um, like I would call light meditation and breathing even before at the start of practice. Yeah. In I guess I, this is my long way of saying, if you believe wholeheartedly in it as a leader and a coach, I think that comes out when you present it. And I think for those that are a little like, and what are we doing here? I mean, this seems a little crazy. When, when you present and sell it, um, you uh, get buy-in, you know, and, you, and then you have to live it too. So you have to do those same things. But if you have that consistent approach and if you live those things and your players will see that, they really will. I mean, they, I think those players can see right through you. If you're just, you know, hey, uh, you know, write these things down and then we'll revisit them. And then you never them. <laughs> well, I didn't do any good. Yeah. So I, I, uh, so I think it would all come down to that. It would be a thing where, you know, this is something that I think is really going to help all of us and is really important. And, um, and I'm a part of it too, and we're going to do it together. Then, um, I found that it really resonates with guys. I think their initial reaction is always a little meh, but I think most guys, would, <laughs> you know, we're going to buy in. And if you got a really good relationship with them, which is, you know, going back to that piece, then I think that yep. stuff becomes a little easier. Right. 
How have you seen the, the relationship between player and coach change over the last, you know, 20 years? I don't, I don't want to date you necessarily how long you've been coaching, but, you know, obviously there, there's a, it's constantly evolving, it seems, you know, based on generation to generation. How have you almost evolved as a coach as times have evolved and these athletes have kind of evolved too? Yeah, I probably maybe touched on it a little bit earlier. I think um, – <clears throat> When I uh, was coaching early on, um, my approach was recruit the best kid, go out there and perform. You don't perform well, we're moving on to the next kid. Um, you know, and I, I probably got frustrated with them. I didn't understand if they couldn't make adjustments. Um, I, I wouldn't I, – I don't think even as a young coach I would ever say – I didn't look at it as necessarily maybe quitting on a kid. It was – all right, you, you're probably more like a professional perspective. Well, you can't do it? Okay, then we got four other guys that can. And um, as, as the time's gone on, and I don't, you know, who knows why, whether it's having my own kids or just different perspective with experience, um, I've, I, I guess I've tried to look at those players and this, those guys a little differently. Um, each one's very unique. You know, each one has their own set of um, what they baggage and, and greatness and everything that they bring. And, um, you know, somebody's their mom and dad. And I think that really resonates with me more now probably than ever. And knowing how I feel about my own kids, I think that kind of stuff just allows me, I'd like to think to be a better coach. And so I need to pour into these guys more than just, what is their ERA? And I'm going to get you to throw harder. Um, because I, maybe I think now that I didn't think when I was younger is maybe I can have an impact on this guy more than just as his, um, you know, helping him to be a better pitcher and be all conference. Maybe I can affect him, you know, for the rest of his life. I mean, he's 18 to 22. A lot of the guys come in unsure and immature and they leave, hopefully, you know, much more mature and, and maybe ready to be leaders or be husbands or be dads someday and all that kind of stuff. And I think that just means a lot more to me. So I teach it differently. I would say the player has changed a little bit to me in that um, I, to me, there was a time when the player took whatever the coach said, and that was golden. Coach told me to go run through that thing. Okay, I just go run through that thing. That's going to make me better. Now it's a lot more of, a, what are we doing? And why are we doing this? And, you know, so you, you got to explain it, which, um, which is okay. I mean, quite frankly, when I played, I think in the back of my head, I wanted to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. It just wasn't how we were, you know, operated. Right. And, um, and I think it's better, in a sense, to know why you're doing it anyway. Cause I, I think that's definitely a much more of a positive. The only other thing I've seen out of the players now that's changed so much. And I think a lot of it is uh, probably social media and being ranked and, and, and the world kind of shrinking in Florida. Know about a kid from Michigan cause he tweeted out that he throws 88 when he's 14 years old or something is, um, I don't know that they're really I, – I almost think they come into college knowing maybe less about how to play the game than they used to. It's more about 
uh, meeting these metrics and how fast and how much weight can I move. It's not about understanding why does the shortstop go there on a double cut and this play was over here. Why was the wait, I don't know what the third baseman does. What do you mean I need to know what the third baseman does? And why do I go there on a bunt? You know, and all those things, I right. think you saw that was a little more natural back in the day for whatever reason. You know, I, I just think the game was thought differently too. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, it's, you have to change, no question, like you mentioned. And, um, that's, you know, quite frankly, that's part of the enjoyment. I mean, if it just stayed the same for year (laughs) after year, I don't know if it would be, you know, it's kind of fun trying to figure out how to get through to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, we really appreciate you having you on. Uh, this has been really awesome just to hear your insights and your perspectives on today's athlete and how you evaluate pitchers and athletes and how you're, you know, trying to make an impact in a significant way on the kids as they go through the Michigan State baseball program. So uh, we look forward to seeing how it goes and get through COVID and get this season underway so you guys can get back to doing what you guys love to do, which is play some ball. For sure. No question. Yeah, thanks for having me and uh, enjoyed it. God bless. Stay healthy. Appreciate it, Karsh. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Rising Champions podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode.